Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Troche, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. So, how are you doing with your New Year's resolution? Yep, I went there. We are now eight days into 2023. And just a few short nights ago, we felt joyful, we rejoiced, and we optimistically declared that this year, we would become the best versions of ourselves. But if you've already messed up on your New Year's resolution, guess what? You're in good company. According to a study conducted by the University of Scranton, just 8% of people actually achieved their New Year's goals, while around 80% failed to keep their resolutions. Even more remarkable is the fact that most of those resolutions revolve around body image. Nearly 52% of those surveyed resolved to exercise more, while another 50% plan to eat healthier, and 40% of those people want to lose weight. That's roughly one of every two people have a resolution focused on body image or health. And again, nearly 80% of all those who even set a resolution in the first place have a tendency to fail. Why is that? Is it because we have terrible willpower? Or could it be that the balance between bodily health and spiritual health is tipped further one way than the other? I want you to really lean into this episode because today I'm chatting with Bill Donahue of the Theology of the Body Institute about the theology of working out to honor God. And just because New Year's Day is a great benchmark for new beginnings doesn't mean your new beginning can't start today. Bill, thank you so much for joining me again. It's really great to have you on the podcast, and I hope you had a really great Christmas and are having an awesome New Year so far. So far, so good. Thanks, Rachel. It's good to be back on for a part two, so happy to be here. So with it being a new year, you know, a lot of people tend to use this as like a benchmark for new beginnings. I read a statistic that this year, 52% of people are resolving to exercise more, 50% of people are resolving to eat healthier, and 40% want to lose weight. So it's pretty safe to say that a lot of us are focusing on how we look and feel this year, but maybe not so much the why behind it. So how do John Paul II's teachings on theology of the body play into why we should take care of our bodies? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'll go back to the stats first. It's uh, they're interesting, aren't they? At the beginning of the year, you know, that one out of two people basically want to make a big change. Um, it's funny. I would think like, let's check in a month later. You know, exactly. Because <laughs> a lot of people, you know, the resolutions there, but then, as Saint Paul says, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I guess that's what we're going to speak into, right? Like, I know I should. I should lose weight. I should work uh, at, at daily exercise, but I wanna. Exactly. Right? I know what I, I need rather. to do, but yeah. uh. but sleeping in is really comfortable. Exactly. 
Yeah, the whole concept of exercise, and I'll be honest, I am I am not a um I I try, but I often fail myself, you know. I guess I'm the other one of out of the one of two people that are resolving, but um it does tie right into the theology of our bodies, it does tie into our faith. I mean, I just quoted Saint Paul, right? The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. There is this kind of um struggle between our like what we know in our mind we should do and and the body so this is all kind of a result of a fall that we say as catholics we believe uh and it's pretty much the easiest dogma of the faith to to teach right original sin because you just look in the mirror right we're all broken we all have a struggle it isn't easy i think john paul ii in his theology of the body would speak into this i mean he himself was actually an amazing sportsman i mean as a young boy, loved soccer, hiking, uh, kayaking. He was he was an avid skier. Wow! In fact, into well into his sixties, he loved to ski, and he would kind of scoot out of the Vatican whenever he could. Sometimes uh, under cover of like disguise in a little car. Um, <laughs> I had a legionnaire priest just tell me he actually was in a Vatican garage and saw the car that they would sneak off John Paul II in, so he could ski. Uh, he would acknowledge, you know, that this is this is good for us to do. This relationship between body and soul is a beautiful marriage. And, um, you know, you want to talk to your partner in a marriage. You want to have a dialogue. And so the marriage of our body and soul, yeah, what, what we do in and through the body is, is who we are. And it's important. You know, if you lay on the couch all day and binge Netflix shows and eat garbage, that's obviously going to trickle into your spiritual life. It's going to weaken your will, but if you say, "I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to do a rosary walk. I'm going to take a hike. I'm going to exercise. Uh, I'm going to watch what I eat." This too will affect your spiritual life. It'll bring those benefits of clarity, energy. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot to this, and I, I again I'll acknowledge I struggle with the discipline of exercise, but I I know it's a good thing, and I know that John Paul II, even in his own life, would show us that this is a good thing. Keep this dialogue between body and soul going. It is the marriage of body and soul in which we're made, and so it's important. That's a really great way of putting it, how it's a a marriage of body and soul, and quite literally one Mm. affects the other, because I am right there with you. I know Mm. I need to be getting up early and working out, and then there are some days where I'm like, well... I'm so comfortable right now, (laughs) but God doesn't ask us to be comfortable. So it's, Mm. it's a real push and pull. And, and Mm. I've noticed a lot, especially like in the social media space that health and fitness, there's a real push and pull between those who subscribe to body positivity or, or um, I've even heard Mm. it called body neutrality. Now body confidence where you're, you feel comfortable in your skin, no matter what your size is. And then those who believe that that is actually an unhealthy way of thinking and it contributes to the rise of obesity and disease. What does the church say about our relationship with our bodies? We kind of touched on this a little bit. Yeah, you, you're you tapping again into something that is uh, cultural and trending, but is also deeply philosophical and at the root of being being human. The idea that, you know, hey, I'm comfortable and I don't need to change. I I love me where I am. That's sliding a little bit too far into subjectivity where there's no objective standards or norms. And that's, you know, my truth, your truth, and I'm happy here. And I'm just going to be this. That can slip into a sort of lethargy, you know, and uh, um, 
we say that our muscles atrophy if we don't exercise. That kind of attitude, like, eh, I'm fine. I love me. You know, that can turn into a kind of spiritual, psychological laziness, too. I don't think it's actually good. It's too subjective. There are objective truths. Um, there is an objective kind of beauty, like, a, you know, this is why, and, and some, we can talk about this, this too, Rachel. Um, when you see ads for things, Okay, I'm going to point this out and then we can unpack it. When you see ads, like I was just driving to work this morning and I'm seeing billboards, you know, and whenever there's a product being sold, it's typically not like a 300-pound chain-smoking person in their 70s who's selling the cigarettes or the whatever the thing is. It's usually a young, healthy, you know, 28-year-old with like really white teeth who's very well-groomed. Why is that, you know? It's just a funny thing, you know, objective beauty is a thing and we should achieve, try to achieve a kind of healthiness and a presentation of ourselves that is conscious of these things, right? That there's an objective beauty. Um, this, this, this blends into the, the realm of like, how do you dress for church when you go to church? Well, God just loves me where I am. Do you see how that's a little too lazy, a little too subjective? There, there's a place for things, right? Present yourself, your body, your clothes, the clothing you wear does matter because this is the of the body. Matter matters. If you step into a space where people are well-groomed and conscious of themselves and trying to present themselves in an orderly kind of a way, you feel orderly, right? If people are just showing up in slippers and pajamas at the supermarket or, or church or the movies, there's something you feel like, that's different. Why are you doing that? Um, there was a book years ago called Slouching Towards Gomorrah. The title says it all, right? That our culture is kind of just has become so blasé about things. It doesn't matter. As if the entire world everywhere we go is our is our living room couch. There are spaces, right? There are places where we should look and present ourselves differently. Anyway, I'm kind of going off into the, the side margins here on that question. But again, matter matters and it's important. Absolutely. And I think this is kind of where I struggle with it is like, well, yes, I, I think that, you know, loving yourself where you're at is important, but, and I, I wish I could remember who said this quote, but it was, uh, he said, God loves you as you are, but not enough to let you stay there. Mm-hmm. Like yes. he wants you to strive for yes. holiness, for saintliness, for his perfection through grace, but it's, we can't loathe ourselves into holiness if that makes sense it's that negative body image yeah i love that we can't loathe ourselves into holiness (laughs) there's another line one one step beyond mediocrity and we are saved Mm. it's that idea and you know even pope benedict who uh oh my goodness i'm missing pope benedict already god bless him he just uh passed on a few days ago right yes pope benedict said something you alluded to early in the conversation we're not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. Absolutely. You know, it's, and that's the drama of human life. Like, you know, yes, God loves you as you are, but, but yeah, he, you're made for greatness. You know, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan and, and the Hobbit, the great works of Tolkien and Bilbo Baggins is this little Hobbit who's very comfortable in his own little Hobbit hole with his own little, you know, garden and his pantry full of food and his little schedule and Gandalf, the wizard, comes to ruffle up that control and that schedule and, and says, you know, I'm, I, wanna, I want you to share in a great adventure. But Bilbo says, you know, adventures make one late for dinner, you know. 
It's like, yeah, but you need this. You know, Gandalf said, this would be good for you, Bilbo. And I think, like, the Lord is speaking to all of us and saying, I'm going to ruffle your feathers a little bit. Like, I, I want you to be, I know what you're capable of. So the idea of, of exercise and fitness and watching what you eat and presenting yourself, this is part of, like, human maturation and, and spiritual growth, which is always connected to the physical life. Again, I, I, I'm not perfect in it. I slip and fall. I get lazy. Um, but I know every time I, I make that effort and I'm conscious, I feel different. I feel better. I feel more awake and alive. And I'm like, Lord, you're, you're, it's like the, it's like the scripture verse, friend, come up higher, you know, friend, come up higher. The Lord's always speaking that to us because he knows what we're capable of. You know, we're made for greatness. That's so funny that you say that because something that I've been trying to do over the last few years is like have a word of the year. And this year I have a phrase and it's from blessed Pierre Giorgio Frizzati, verso l'alto to the heights. So that's so funny that that's what you mentioned because it's like, Oh yes, we're going there. We're going to the heights this year. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I I love that discipline, Rachel, of a, of a word or a phrase, um, kind of like a mantra, you know, in in the Eastern spiritualities, I just felt inspired, you know, it's piggybacking off of that to, uh, to sort of end some of my emails or my messages with into the wonder, oh. you know, because I feel like that's my phrase to, to, you know, into the wonder. So it's always this invitation to something more, something mysterious, something uh, untapped, you know, the crest of the hill. So Frazzati, you know, he's a great example. He's right in there. Just keep going. Yes. So building off of what we just talked about, it seems like there's a really fine line between honoring or taking care of our bodies and obsession or it becoming a preoccupation which leads to vanity where we strive too hard for perfection you know we see it like you said we see it everywhere we see it on the covers of magazines we see it on social media it's all over cable with shows about you know who can lose the most weight and we're putting a lot of emphasis on our physical bodies rather than our spiritual bodies but if they're connected how can we make sure that they're both healthy yeah yeah, great question and great insight. This is uh, definitely a big stumbling block today where we're stuck at the surface level. You know, uh, The theology of the body of John Paul II reveals that the body manifests the person. Like your, your personality shines through your body. Uh, so we, we see already by that, like there's a hierarchy here. Like the spiritual life is the life closer to God. It's the higher life. Um, our bodies and our senses are the outliers that take the world into ourselves, right? But it's at the heart, the center, the soul, where we have this deep encounter with God, right? This invisible mystery. So, yes, of course the body is important. We are our bodies. But there is a hierarchy uh, to the spiritual life. So we, we get that vibe when we see this obsession with only the external or the superficial or the way I look or the filters on Instagram and all this. It's got to be perfect. That, you know, you can say, okay, there's a beautiful body, but what are they thinking? Or what's, what's, what's on the inside there? And you can encounter people who, after five minutes of talking to them, you realize, okay, there might be a beautiful exterior, but there's, it's just vapid. There's a hollowness. This person seems to have no depth, right? It's all about the workout. It's all about what I'm eating. It's all about the fitness and what, but what, this is going to pass, you know? There's this perpetual fight and struggle sometimes to stay young, perpetually young, you know, 
And sometimes when you see maybe celebrities or something who are well into their 70s, their faces appear to be in their 30s. But you can see, like, sometimes in the cracks shining through, like, that's actually a 73-year-old person, <laughs> you know, and they're, and they're dating or, or getting married to someone 30, 40 years younger than them. There's something in that uh, where you just, you react, it's like, there's something wrong here. This person is trying to fight the inevitable. Like, we are all passing. And I think that, uh, again, this balance of, like, well, yes, take care of yourself, definitely. But don't slide into an idolatry of your body, okay? Don't slide into this idolatry and this grasping uh, at perpetual youth, you know? Because you're, you're, again, fighting the inevitable. All things pass. Uh, there's a beauty to those who can accept the brokenness in the, of the body and the passage of time. I mean, think of, like, a Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who, uh, in her older years, right, I mean, just wasn't, externally beautiful the way the culture presents beauty but when you actually really look at her her she was more she was one of the most beautiful women in the world this little four foot wrinkled mass in a sari was one of the most stunning women in the world and she actually captivated the world and i think schooled a lot of people who are getting stuck in this obsession with how they look on the outside so yeah there's there's definitely a hierarchy and a priority to uh the inside. St. Peter, I forget the letter, but one of the letters of St. Peter in the uh, epistles, he says, um, he was speaking about to men and to women and to children, I think, and he was talking to women about be careful of too much ornamentation on the outside. Like make the, the your, your personality, your heart shine. That is the true source of beauty, something like that. Mm-hmm. That goes for men too, of course, right? Right. So is taking care of our health and fitness in direct conflict with our spiritual goals, or is it possible that they can work together? I say they can absolutely work together. We just have to recognize uh, that that primary, right? There's a primary and a secondary. Why am I exercising? Why am I trying to stay fit? Um, is it so that I may better love and better serve and be a gift for my spouse or my, my family or whoever it might be? Um, or is it so that I can just really look good and have the most amazing social media profile, <laughs> right? Right. Well, so there's a kind of examination of conscience that comes into play here. Uh, you, you can do both. It's just there's a primary and a secondary. And uh, so, so fitness and health and external appearance should be at the service of your spiritual life and, your, and, and the self-gift that you're meant to be. They can absolutely work in tandem. And I should say this. Um, it's as ironic that you're, uh, we're doing this interview right now because next week I'm doing a second series uh, on Zoom with a group called Pietra Fitness. I've heard of um, them, yes. Yeah, pietrafitness.com uh, is their website. And they're just a wonderful group of people who are um, doing work with the trainers. So they they lead people into exercise fitness um, through the lens of like the importance of the spiritual life, incorporating prayer into it. So do you see like right there, Pietra Fitness is one of these examples of, yes, you can do both. And they actually feed and help each other. And I have a friend, Lindsay Fullerman, who's one of our students at the Theology of the Body Institute. She formed a a ministry called Fit From Faith, fitfromfaith.com. And she actually works with priests and seminarians about their own exercise and discipline and physical health and appearance, complementing their spiritual life and ministry as priests. So uh, Lindsay's, again, that's fitfromfaith.com. These are two amazing apostolates. 
that are taking theology of the body and the importance of our spiritual life with God and how we live in the world as men and women and the importance of exercise, discipline, fitness. Pretty cool. That's really cool. And I love that they're able to work so in tandem with each other and be able to show that, you know, like, like we said earlier, it's a marriage between your body and your soul. And if one's unhealthy, so is the other. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, real quick on that note, I, I just, I was thinking this morning, I was prepping for this conversation, that whole marriage of body and soul, this Latin phrase came back to me from St. Augustine. This is so wild. 1600 years ago, Augustine had this um, insight and he said uh, in Latin, he said, uh, caro tua uxor, your body is your spouse. Mm. <laughs> so oh, like 1600 years ago, this, this theological understanding that the body and soul is, is in a kind of marriage. It's a spousal relationship. And again, bring, you know, follow that analogy through. Uh, marriages fall apart when spouses don't talk to each other, aren't open and attentive to each other. Sometimes we slip into a, a, a depression or uh, we start to feel unhealthy. Why? Because we're not in that harmony, right? Listen to your body. Sometimes um, you need a good walk. You need a good workout. You need to watch what you eat. And when you do it, you're in dialogue again, body and soul. There's a restoration. And then comes a transformation and a clarification, right? I feel better. I'm thinking clear. I'm sleeping better. Oh, interesting. Right, because you've reestablished the conversation. That's so funny that we keep mentioning marriage because on last week's episode, I interviewed Regina Boyd, who's a marriage counselor, a Catholic mm. marriage counselor. And she talked about how most couples don't seek therapy until about six or seven years after the initial whatever was causing the initial problem. So they'll struggle with it for six to seven years. And I feel like we kind of do that to our bodies too. Like we don't start recognizing like, oh, maybe I should probably work out and eat healthy until we start having health problems. And by then it could potentially be too late. But if you were to, you know, get the help of a trainer or a nutritionist, you can repair the marriage between your body and soul. That's true. That's Great so, point. yeah, that's pretty interesting. We just kind of came up with that on the fly. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I must have said this, especially when I was dealing with my own health issues, like when we were trying to conceive and we were having problems, you know, mm. oh, my problem is that my body must hate me. No matter how hard I try to be healthy, mm. it never does what I want it to do. And I end up feeling broken. And at this time of the year, you know, like we said, it's prime time for those companies that prey upon our vulnerabilities. You know, they promise quick fixes, miracle pills, and extreme health and wellness strategies. Now, from what I understand and what we've been talking about, theology of the body focuses on how we were designed by God to function. So could we apply those principles to meet our health and fitness goals in the new year? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I am feeling that uh, that powerful phrase you just said about that hatred, you know, body hatred. <clears throat> I feel like, you know, expanding out from that, a lot of the, the gender dysphoria and the gender crisis that we're in right now is also like there are forces that are feeding into that. And so do violence to your body, change it, you know, you are not your body. When everything we're, we're taught in our faith and from John Paul II is no, you are your body. So it really is about a homecoming. All of the language should be about a restoration 
and a homecoming to our embodied life uh, because we you are your body uh, in our in our faith we talk about with original sin we referenced earlier right this fallenness that we all have there's these four ruptures which are all relational ruptures we're ruptured from in our relationship with God and we all feel that you know we're ruptured in our relationship with other people uh, we're ruptured in our relationship with the created world and the fourth is we're ruptured in our relationship with ourselves you know we're St. Paul talks about the good I want to do, I don't do. I do the evil that I that I don't want to do. God help me. Who can deliver me from this? And it's like the, the answer St. Paul comes, it's Jesus can restore me to God, others, myself, and the created world. So when, we talk, when we're talking about health and fitness and all this stuff, it's not just like, well, yeah, if I have time. No, you have to make time. And again, don't obsess about it. Just in the external appearance is all that matters. No, we're talking about the restoration of all these like things that have become disparate and broken, uh, coming home to ourselves, being at peace with ourselves. Uh, you know, the great commandment is to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, so there is that idea that like being comfortable with myself. So, ask the Lord to come and help restore these uh, ruptures. You know, this animosity, this hatred that you might feel. Uh, restoration and reconciliation is what's so important. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, I forget the, the paragraph, but Jesus came to restore creation to the purity of its origins. Think about that when you, know, when you realize, like, I got to get up off my bed here and get working here. I got to move. I got to do something different. I got to watch what I eat. Why? Because Jesus came to restore you to the purity of your origins. And it's for the it's for your flourishing. Okay, so don't 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 hate, don't be an animosity, but come back to peace and communion and reconciliation so you can flourish. Every time, Rachel, I, I make the effort to go out and I try to walk every day at least a mile, which is not a lot. I should do more. I'm getting there. But every time I get into it and start moving, and the heart rate starts going up a little bit and the fresh air is coming in, I start smiling. Like I just instantly have this like cheeseburger smile like woohoo this is great I'm so glad I did this you know I'm so glad I did this because I I feel burdens lifting I feel clear thoughts coming in resolutions of things coming in I'm not staring at a screen anymore or answering emails or working I'm just walking and I'm moving and I'm in the world embodied and God loves me and I, I start to feel those restorations happening at all levels and that's when the hatred and the animosity dissipates and you come back to the wholeness, right? That's, and that's what we're all shooting for, I think, is coming back to that wholeness. Right, right. It's, I love what you said about going for a walk because we live kind of across the street from a park. And every time, mm. every time I feel myself getting weighed down, I'm like, I need to go for a walk. I'm going to take the dog. <laughs> we're going to go for a walk. And you can just <laughs> feel like it just like the clouds have parted. Yes. I don't know what it is, but it's just, you just like all of a sudden I feel more creative. I feel more yeah. energized. I come back and I'm a better mom and I'm a better wife just by mm -hmm. moving, just by getting out and enjoying creation and moving my body because it's, it's quite honestly a gift. And I don't really realize it's a gift until I meet somebody who, who can't do something that I can do. Like for those of us who are unable to exercise, maybe they're injured or yeah. 
there's an illness or a disability, how can those of us who are suffering with that honor God with our bodies if our bodies don't do what we ask them to do? Mm. Yeah, that's a very, that's a, a challenging question there. Uh, let me go back a little bit and start with where you, you picked up with the walk. I just want to stress to people who might be listening in, just a 15-minute, 20-minute walk is miraculous. We're not saying like, you know, and you got to do a three-hour workout, and you got to do some crunches, and you got to work on those biceps, and you got to, you know, protein shakes. Yeah, go run a marathon. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that. Just go for a walk. Just get yourself moving. And it is kind of those baby steps that build up. You know, maybe, maybe you'll become a, maybe you will run a marathon someday, but don't, don't try to run a marathon tomorrow. And, and maybe you're not even supposed to. Just take a walk. And if, as you say to, this, to the, your question, if there is a, an inability or a handicap or something that prevents you from being able to do that, uh, we've all seen, you know, you, you can find an, uh, amazing stories on YouTube of people who have had physical challenges that did things that blow your mind. Like, wow, the, the creativity or the imagination uh, to, I'm going to do something. What can I do? What can I do? And maybe it's just, uh, you know, a minimal exercise from, from a wheelchair, or it's just, you know, who knows what it could be, but there is something. There is some way to express yourself bodily, to do something that gets your blood going, gets oxygen filling you up, gets your muscles moving, and uh, again, it's animating you. There, there must be a way. So it's something to kind of pray about and think about. And if you are suffering from a physical disability, I'm sure there's, you know, those places where you get the therapy, you know, where you get the assistance. And uh, those are great resources that are out there to try to figure it out. I mentioned um, Fit from Faith and Pietra Fitness. Logging on to those websites, and I'm not getting any endorsements from them or any pay, by the way. I'm just dropping <laughs> their names. Uh, I'm sure, like, there's there you can go into like QA sections or talk to some of the trainers and say, Yeah, but I, I have this issue, or I have this struggle, or I'm not supposed to do this. Okay, well, here's how we'll adapt it for you. You know, we'll adapt it for you. And then you'll, you'll find a way to express and to live, and in a way that'll bring a little bit more life and a little bit more joy to you. Right, right. There's where there's a will, there's a way. Yes. <laughs> Amen. So I'm guilty of having used this more times than I'm proud to admit. But one of the most popular excuses for putting off a workout is I don't have time. There's too much to do. Exercise will take away from my family. How can we make the best use of our time to both honor our bodies and our families? Well, I'll start off with I'm also guilty. <laughs> Of, of like, oh, I don't have time. Yeah, but I know, and I do fail, but I also do have my successes. I, everybody has to figure out, um, first off, I think, is am I a, um, a morning person or a, or a night person? Because within those two places, there's there's some wiggle room. You know, you could, you could get up 15, 20 minutes, half hour, an hour earlier, um, or you could do something in the, in the evening. Um, you could also utilize, a, most people have a lunch hour, at least. Uh, you could take a 15 minutes. I mean, it doesn't take that long to eat your meal. Typically, we're done in 15 minutes. You could you could commit to saying, okay, from 1230 to 1, I'm walking um, or whatever. So you have to be intentional and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the master of time here. This is the time God's given me today. These are my hours. 
I'm going to do this now because it is good and it's going to lead to my overall human flourishing. So uh, there was a stretch. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, re reassess now. And sometimes seasons change too. You can't do everything every single day unless you live in San Diego or something where the weather is always the same. But um, I would get up early and do it in the morning between 5.30 and 6.30. You know, do that walk or do that workout. Uh, so you got to kind of know yourself. You don't want to push too hard and end up becoming crankier uh, and more burned out. So don't don't do it. Don't do that. But figure out a pocket of time, and it doesn't have to be massive, uh, where you can do it and where you get refreshed. And so, morning person maybe, maybe it's a night person. That lunch hour time could also be good. And it's hard as Americans. I'll just final point here. We all tend, especially as Americans, I think, we tend to feel guilty for making any time for ourselves, which, yes. which sounds weird. Because, you know, we're, we're also simultaneously as a culture, we're kind of lazy and hedonistic. <laughs> but we still have this weird sort of uh, work ethic where we just feel guilty for carving out any time for ourselves. Uh, I've, I've, in my travels, you know, especially in Europe, there's a freedom. There's, um, I just was in Madrid, Spain this summer. My, um, I had taught a course over there. My wife and I got to go over. There's a very different vibe and a very different feel. There isn't this tremendous pressure. So I just want to, you know, point out, because I'm, I'm sure most of your listeners are coming from the Diocese of Harrisburg, but um, don't feel guilty about making that time. It, it's going to make you more productive. It's going to make your work more fruitful, not less. Okay, well, I should be working right now. I should be catching up on my emails. They're always there. You know, it's make the time and you will actually be more productive and more fruitful in the rest of your life. Right. I'm kind of like you where I'm trying to get up early in the morning because that's when the house is quiet. Everybody's still asleep and it just gives yes. me that time of like peace. Mm -hmm. But then there are times when, you know, somebody gets up with me or I, you know, like right now I got a little bit of a cold, so it's a little bit harder to get up. Mm -hmm. So I try to adjust for when I work out, but then that means somebody's with me. So now I get my kids involved and mm -hmm. I'll have them go through the training with me. And it was so cute the other day. My nice. five-year-old was like watching the timer as I'm like, I don't even remember what I was doing. I think it was like crunches or something. And the timer went off and he goes, you did it, mommy. You won. And I was like, oh. I was like, I did win. Now I feel, I feel like a champ now because I have my little cheering section. And that's so cute. And then last night I was trying to do my walk. Um, we have like a treadmill and I was so tired. I did not want to do that walk. And I'm, I'm about five minutes in. I was like, yeah, I'll just stop here. And then I thought, of a friend of mine who's currently going through chemo. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get to 15 minutes and the next 10 minutes are going to be for him. I'm going to like say a prayer for him while, wow. and I'm not kidding. It got so easy that last 10 minutes. It's like, why wow. this feels incredibly easy now because I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for him because he mm. can't, he can't get on the treadmill. He's currently, you know, yeah. healing. And, uh, I found that that's, those are two ways that I've kind of been utilizing to get my motivation back is like, okay, well, if my family's going to be up, then they're going to be helping me. And mm. also if I can't do it for me, I'm going to do it for somebody else. Wow. Rachel, that's beautiful. That, that to me, that speaks, you know, as a fellow Catholic, that sort of speaks to that communion of saints and uh, sort of suffering for another, like redemptive suffering to have an intention, right? That's yeah. Not, you know, you, you could just do it for yourself. 
or you could make it this sort of gift for another. And like you said, it, it, it energizes you, makes it a little bit easier. My burden is light, right? Take my yoke upon you for my burden is light. Wow, what does that mean? Oh, that's what that means. Yes. That's really cool. My, my um, our treadmill actually becomes a little racetrack for my seven-year-old. He puts his little cars on it. That's awesome. It <laughs> it's kind of awesome, but also kind of crazy. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to tell my kids about that one because yeah, they, they will try it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Building off of that, because we talked about it a little bit, but how else can we enlist our faith in order to achieve a balanced, healthy attitude towards exercise? Two things come right to mind. The rosary and uh, the divine mercy chaplet. Actually, three things. And the stations of the cross. We have these, these devotions in our faith that are actually they're almost built to be sort of um, motion in motion, you know, like doing the stations of the cross is a motion. Uh, Praying the rosary is moving through the mysteries of the life of Jesus and Mary. Uh, And the chapel can be that too. So you can incorporate, you know, sometimes you could say like, well, I don't have time to exercise, but um, I should, I want to pray a rosary. Okay. Well combine it, do a rosary walk. Right. Um, do your divine mercy chapel while you walk. My father just turned 75 the other day. He's, uh, he's, uh, living up in Maine, up in the woods of Maine. And he will basically do like, he might do a, between a mile and three miles a day, just walking and doing his divine mercy chapel. Uh, he loves to do it. So he does it in motion. He does it in action. So that's something, you know, because, uh, it's, it's kind of cool to be able to pray as you go, um, you could also incorporate your faith, like if you're if you're doing a run or something, you could have like a podcast on that's taking you deeper into a spiritual work, uh, a great book, or uh, it could be a podcast on a great topic of faith, or it could be anything like that, where you're bringing these two worlds together in motion. And, you know, the thing about walking or running or exercising, you're, you can sort of let your mind go or your heart go into prayer while you're doing it. So I think that's a nice way to combine things. Um, I want to be careful here because it's not always, you know, sometimes it's really good to single-heartedly do one thing, right? We don't want to say, oh, I'll just cram my rosary into my commute to work, or I'll just cram my rosary into this exercise thing, or vice versa. You know, it's not perfect, but it's that can still be good. Exactly. Like if you're, if, if, you, if you want to have, make time for both, but you're struggling to find the time because, you know, I don't have time. We have so many responsibilities. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's a good start until right. you can figure out how to carve out the time. That's right. I mean, personally, uh, that I can, I'll do that sometimes. I'll do a, do a rosary walk, and it's my exercise and my rosary. But I'll also try to make time just for that quiet contemplation, or just for being, you know, just sitting in the prayer chair with the candle lit and listening to to some chant or something, or sketching or whatever it might be, so that I've got the balance. And that's an important point too. I don't think that we're called to do this radical workout every day. Even those who exercise say like, don't do that. You need days of rest. Uh, you need fallow periods. You know, farmers have a, you know, when they work in their fields, there's sometimes you leave one field fallow, which means don't work it. Don't tell it. Just let nature have its way. So we need days in our week where we're not like, you know, grinding it out every day, but it's just, this is my day to rest, give my muscles a break. And that actually will make them stronger in the long run. You'll get more endurance in the long run than if you're constantly stretching, stretching, stretching. So that, that fallow time is also important. Absolutely. 
never underestimate a good rest day. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining me and for talking us through, you know, whatever our new year's resolutions are in terms of health and body and spirituality. And I hope that you have an awesome rest of your day and that whoever needed to hear this got to hear it. Amen. Me too, Rachel. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.